0: All right. Thanks, Scott Shannon. Thanks to all of you for being with us. Toll free on numbers, 800 941 Sean if you want to be a part of the program. Well, maybe sometime next year we're going to see a reduction in inflation. I thought it was transitory. I thought it was going to be over. Uh, you know, they're celebrating it. We have a 40-year inflation high, even with yesterday's GDP numbers. And they're acting like this is the greatest thing ever. Or, or sorry, CPI numbers. Um it's like the greatest thing. No, it's not the greatest thing ever. It's just not. You know, one thing I'm looking for Democrats to do, and they don't seem willing to do this. So, you know, about this crypto crook. What's his name? Mm-hmm. Sam uh, uh, Bankman fried you know, reportedly cheating thousands of average Americans out of their life savings. I mean, we're, we're talking about like Bernie Madoff levels. It sounds like. And nobody benefited more than Joe Biden. Apparently, this guy, uh, Sammy, was, you know, the second biggest donor besides Soros for Democratic causes in the last uh, election cycle, the midterms. And, you know, so all the Democrats that benefited from them, you know, we're talking about tens of millions of dollars he gave to Democratic candidates. And it looks like it's money that was, you know, ill-gotten gains by this guy in every level. Now, the White House was asked yesterday whether the big guy, Joey, intends to give or ask his fellow Democrats to give back all the money uh, that he misappropriated to political candidates back to their rightful owners, the people that gave him money in good faith and invested in him. Apparently, the White House, they have no answer to that question. They're completely silent about this. Yesterday, Colleen Jean Pierre, White House press secretary, would not say whether Biden would ask his aides and ask Democrats to return the 2020 campaign contributions from the accused cryptocurrency con man, Sam Bankman Fried, who the Justice Department is now charged with swindling investors out of at least $1.8 billion. I mean, for some people, it's wiped them out. And Linda, go back. Remember I said I'm interested in crypto, but I don't understand crypto like Bitcoin, Ethereum, et cetera. And I never made sense to me. I've had I had friends of mine try to explain cryptocurrency to me. And to this day, I cannot I do not understand it the way they do. And the whole thing is based on this, quote, mathematical problems an algorithm. I say, all right, we know what an algorithm is from school. It's so um it's like a math problem. And I'd say, yeah, it's based on an algorithm. And I'm like, okay, so you, they're producing, they're mining, as they call it, all those cryptocurrency, and there's only an a finite amount of it, for example, a finite amount of Bitcoin or Ethereum. And at that point, they expect and anticipate that the value is going to, you know, go up and go up dramatically. And I'm like, well, explain that to me. And then he said, no, because the algorithm is the algorithm. I'm like, well, when do you get to the final number? When do you get to the end? No, it's an algorithm. It keeps going on forever and ever. Right, which should have been your first clue. That should have been your first clue. Numbers are infinite. So when they're saying there's a finite amount of something that's not even tangible that you you can't touch it, it's, okay, how is that finite? So I can't touch it, numbers are infinite, but your algorithm isn't, but the algorithm itself is infinite. You know what, just be quiet. I'm going to buy a house. Have a nice day. Listen, as I told people at the time, I said, I don't understand it enough. I, I dabble in it. I dabbled in it. I don't dabble in it anymore considering I'm like down 70% in my dabbling. But I wasn't betting the milk money or you know a significant uh, portion of money on it. I just wanted to try it, and it was fun to follow for a while, but it's no fun to follow anymore uh, considering it's you know down by 70% where it used to be. I liked it better when it was up. Anyway, long story short, it's not about me, but I told people I would say, uh, I wouldn't, uh, that, that's not the investment I would make if it's money that you're going to need. And you really need to understand it better than I understood it. But long story sh- short, I digress here. They won't say whether or not they're going to ask Democrats to return the contributions so that at least some of these investors can get back some of the money that they lost from this guy. Bankman fried was welcomed this year to at least two West Wing meetings by one of Biden's top aides, uh, Steve Reschetti, according to visitor logs. It's unclear whom else he might have met during the April 22nd and May 11th visits. Uh, he gave $50,000 in October to the 2020 Biden Victory Fund and and more monies as well. He spent $10 million backing Biden's campaign alone, much of that indirectly. Yesterday, the AP reported that, you know, when asked Biden's press secretary, Corinne Jean-Pierre, the president received campaign donations from this guy. Will the president return the, the money? Uh, does he call on all politicians to return these funds? And here's Corrine Jean-Pierre's answers. But will the president return that donation? Or does he call on all politicians who got uh, campaign donations that may have come from customer money uh, to return those funds? So, look, I'm covered here by the Hatch Act, uh, limited on what I can say, and anything that's connected to political contributions. Uh, from here, I, I, I would have to refer you to the DNC. Oh, I'd have to refer you to the DNC. Good thing, because I can't answer that question. Why wouldn't every Democrat that got money from this guy, knowing that, People lost their hard-earned money. Find a way to return the money that they took from this guy uh, because these investors now are screwed by the looks of everything. So um, I, yeah, it, I think I'm, I'm asking the president's opinion, though. I'm limited in what I can say. How convenient. Uh, as predicted, the Fed today went up 50 basis points. Again, a half-point interest rate hike. Um, I'll tell you what that means. You're not going to hear it in the media. I, I, we're now at a point where the housing recession is going to be accelerated because of all of these increases in interest rates. Uh, and here's here's the simple mathematical reality that we're now facing is that new home construction has stopped, except for states that are having a huge influx of new residents like Florida, Tennessee, Texas, the Carolinas, that they're, they're going to be fine. But pretty much everywhere else in the country that is not seeing that influx, although Kristi Noem did say that she has a pretty good influx into her state of South Dakota, I think people are going to places where there's more freedom, where they don't have draconian shutdowns, where they have in-person learning for their kids, where they have low-income tax states, uh, less bureaucracy, more freedom for people. That's where people seem to be wanting to go. And then that brings me to my accelerated migration theory which is it's going to get harder and harder for republicans to compete uh, for the presidency when conservatives are leaving states like pennsylvania new york's not in play anyway and states like wisconsin and states like michigan and arizona is getting an influx of people from california same with nevada that's going to be hard on that side of things i don't know why people are not moving in big numbers to georgia i mean literally they're they're going into North Carolina, South Carolina, skipping Georgia and headed right down to Florida. It's, um, and I lived in Georgia. I love Georgia. I lived in Roswell for a long time. Nice place. Anyway, so, um, you know, we have inflation now, 40-year high, and, and Democrats are spiking the football yesterday. There's a story out today, the cost of a morning meal, if you eat eggs and bacon and coffee and toast, etc., whatever, whatever your breakfast is, it's 24% higher. Now, breakfast is like one of the cheapest meals you're able to get. When I was a bartender, I remember 11th grade, 12th grade, I'd finish. I'd I'd have last call at 4 a.m. I'd close the bar, clean it up. I'd leave by 4.30. I'd go down to the local diner. I'd get the first edition of the New York Post, New York Daily News. I'd sit there. I, I would order my two eggs and bacon and hash browns and toast. I used to be able to eat all of it then. And, and sometimes french toast and and pancakes on the side read the papers go home as soon as my parents left for work I'd go to sleep and try not to go to school that day if I could um, because I was busy working the night before uh federal deficit now you know a record 57 billion in a year now 249 billion tax revenue plummeting in the in the meantime but the federal deficit hit a record $249 billion in November, with federal spending now hitting records record high in consecutive months while tax revenues are dropping. And it comes after the deficit had increased, according to Biden, by $1.4 trillion. These are not sustainable numbers. Which then brings me to the idiocy of the Republican Party. Republicans don't know how to lead. And I'm watching Senate Republicans foolishly stupidly go along with Democrats like Schumer go along with Biden go along with the radical you know democratic uh new green deal socialists and they're looking to do an omnibus budget now that means that's the budget for all of the entire rest of the fiscal year their fiscal year starts in October and that would be for next year now here's here's what they should do Republicans now, in early January, take control of the House of Representatives. With that comes the power of the purse. With that comes negotiating power and leverage. So I'm not sure why guys like Richard Shelby, who's leaving the U.S. Senate, and people like Pat Leahy leaving the U.S. Senate, and Mitch McConnell allowing this to happen, we have had five transfers of the gavel party to party since 1954. Five of them. And and this is the only year that they're even considering an omnibus spending bill when, in fact, the, the normal process would be to pass a continuing resolution, fund the government, go away for Christmas, come back to the new Congress. And then Republicans smartly would have the leverage because the House of Representatives would have to go along with whatever budget deal they put together, which means the country would likely save money. Uh, we could make sure that we don't fund the 87,000 IRS agents. You know, there's there's a whole variety of ways to save money. We can get money. Okay, you want money appropriated for this? We want it appropriated to the military. Okay, you want to fund the military? Fine, you got to get rid of the vaccine mandate, which they already have done, it seems. Um, and a whole variety of things. Okay, if you want uh, more money for green new deal projects, we're going to insist that you open up lands for uh, permits and for drilling and, and fracking, et cetera, et cetera. But Republicans are too dumb to do this. It makes absolutely no sense. And it's literally taking Republicans out of the game. Now, there are things that the Republican House can do post an omnibus budget, but the idea that the Senate is so stupid to go along with this, really you should call your senator and tell them don't do an omnibus spending bill at pass a continuing resolution it's that simple this way that allows the republican majority coming in january to have influence over how we spend that money the two big powers the incoming republican majority have are the power of the purse and the power to subpoena and we ought to be using them and mitch mcconnell ought to be knowing better and i don't really care that that Richard Shelby and Pat Leahy view this as some type of legacy issue because whatever deal we, we agree to, whatever is passed here, is going to spend way too much money and we don't have any Republican check or balance on this. It's insane.